Welcome back to the NBC Network, iHealth Radio, the iHealth Channel, because we're going to talk about some stuff that affects our mental health, but definitely the Sales World Channel today. And and again, we're talking about business uh, strategies and and something that we all do since the beginning of uh, you know our <laughs> humble beginnings as kids. We start communicating, and we're going to talk about strategies and key elements to communicate in writing specifically and how that impacts your mental state and in an environment in a world of today where really really uh you know a lot of stuff is done remotely as we're doing this show today you know businesses have been adopting this particular concept since the pandemic and even before that it happened but so let's talk you know about that but i have with me someone who's an expert in this uh, you know, uh, she's going to take us to this journey and guide us. That's what she does. She's a consultant that does this work for communication, writing skills, and strategy. And so without any further ado, I have with me Erin Lebox. Did I get it right? You did. <laughs> yeah, great job. Thank you, Hurricane. <laughs> all right, all right. So, so I, you know, I, I, I didn't want my French to get in there, but but I, I did it correctly. <laughs> so, Erin, welcome to the show. I, I am, I've been looking forward to this, and, and I know... Um, in in my part of the world, I mean, one of my worlds. I mean, I, I I do lead you know sales teams, and obviously in sales communication is one of the better tools you can have. Uh, but also as a leader myself in a corporate world, and I mean now I have my own stuff, but I do both. I do consult and all this stuff. But it's really the communication uh, mm-hmm. is always happening, and I refer to us starting this as early as we start starting some words we want to communicate somehow. And it gets just, you know, worse as we go. And we want to talk also, Aaron, uh, about the, I guess, even the source of, of where we have problems in the communication or the writing skills. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's going to be a good, you know, place. But before that, I want just to, to Aaron, to share with us your background, you know, for our audiences, if you don't mind. Sure. Thanks, Hurricane. Hi, everyone. Um, well, I've been teaching writing my entire adult life, basically. It was not my intention, but I ended up in a situation where I was teaching some things and a little writing and I noticed, oh my gosh, this is what empowers people, right? When we feel confident about using our voice, it's a huge game changer. So from that moment in my 20s, I thought this is what I want to do because I know that I can make a contribution by helping people meet their own goals through writing. So I've been teaching in the university setting, a little bit around the world. Um, and now I've switched to teaching in the workplace. So I'll show up in a corporate client, in a state agency, federal, whatever. They'll bring me in and I'll be the person who leads a workshop or consults with a project, whatever it is that they need, talking about, hey, let's be strategic with the way we speak and write. Because, you know, especially with writing, right, someone is on the other side receiving it, and they can read it however they want, and they can reread it and have their own interpretation. And that's worrisome, right? So we talk about, well, what are the strategic things we can do? Because writing is actually just as interactive as talking. It's just that we don't see that person while we're doing it. Well, yeah, thank you, Aaron. Well, well so, so a lot of things there. I mean, you've pretty much been teaching in, in different environments to write in. Now, I want to just pose on the, in this particular, you know, uh, piece of the discussion, because I want to go to what do you think about the, I guess, the, the progression of writing skills in the modern age in the last couple of decades? And the reason I'm asking this, because you probably noticed this, and maybe people are watching and, and listening right now, you might wonder, like, the skill set today in writing has 
really gone down. Am I am I the only one who's observed that, or at least you know had an, uh, you know uh, this feeling, or maybe not? So, Aaron, just share with us your views on what has been done and why is our. I mean, it was Shakespearean back in the days, right, <laughs> and we right. we're far away from that that style, right? But but it's kind of diluted to a degree. I, get, I don't know if it's a generational thing, if it's an education thing system, you know, where we need to pay more attention to it. But it does impact everything else. As you said, one thing is is key. When you communicate in writing, there is no visual effect. You know, what you see is what you get. And you're right. Everybody has their own way. I mean, as simple as if you put the, I guess, the uh, capital capital letters instead of, you know, the lowercase letter, people get offended, right? So, yeah, yeah. so you know, a tone can be perceived, even if it's wrong, even if it was a mistake, but that's the thing. But but there's got to be some reason why we got to a point where we have this and how we can get away from it. So that that's my first, you know, just in direction, because as a teacher of writing, mm -hmm. you probably are very picky about the styles and community and how to present it and how to start the discussion, how to do it correctly and all that. So hit us with all that. Yeah, well, the truth is, I'm not real picky about particular things about writing. What I'm always saying to people is, what's your reader going to need? It's the reader's pickiness that we need to worry about. Um, and you're right, you can have a reader who's going to be upset if you do a capital letter wrong. On the other hand, you can even have a reader who thinks that using capital letters is too aggressive, right? So either way, I've heard that in some Gen Z groups, just capitalizing the first letter of a sentence and in a text can seem passive aggressive because it's like, hey, why being so showy and so correct, right? So it goes back and forth everywhere, right? And then on the other hand, certainly I have some clients who are very formal. Um, and so it depends. What I see often is it depends on the industry you work in. I might be writing with other teachers and we're really casual but then I have one client in patent patent copyright law, and they are very formal about everything. So we do want to care about the particular needs and preferences of our readers. And so as far as language changing, you're right. It's evolved. Some people say devolved. I'm saying no value judgment. It has changed, right? It's grown, expanded, contracted, like, like everything. Um, and what we're seeing now is people using writing in different ways for different reasons. So I agree, we've gotten briefer in some, we've certainly gotten less Shakespearean. We do have troubles funding our education system, right? And providing enough help to everybody, which is why I have a YouTube channel where you can go learn for free. But anywho, um, but I think really another aspect that's evolved in a good way, even while we're seeing you know, texts speak more often and shorter sentences and less kind of perfect. We're seeing a little more attention, though, I think, to tone and interpersonals in the writing, because even texting and emojis, you can convey some interpersonal tone. And I think even though many of us might still respect more long form writing, it's not as usable in the workplace anymore since not everyone is real thorough with what they read, right? So we're making things really brief because everybody's so busy. And I know in your opening, you were mentioning about mental health, which I think this aligns a lot with actually. Um, but one of them is just when we write in a really high level way, that's stressful for the reader. 
And it can even be excluding or alienating to them. So even if we are Shakespearean or people who listen might be a great writer, maybe you did great in school, even in essays or whatever, we still have to kind of scale it back a little because it's the reader that we're worried about and they're experiencing content load almost every day. And that's why we keep things brief for them. So they'll be more likely to answer and follow through with whatever we asked for. Yeah. Well, thank you. There's a lot there. So, so a couple of things I can tell you, I, I in the, the industry that I've been working with for, I mean, almost 30 years now, well, a little bit over 30, <laughs> I, mean, I lost count, but, but, you know, one thing that we do is because we're regulated and uh, because we cater to a particular demographic of the senior markets, uh, you know, believe it or not, by regulation, our writing has to be like four fourth grade level writing type so people can actually you know read it simple stuff so these things are like you know people may not know about these regulations sometimes in different areas but you're right if you're talking to a patent and i've gone through a patent process myself i mean that's lawyers you know reviewing lawyers (laughs) you know everything has to be like super i mean it's like a contract agreement and everything has to be there so it's and, and in the corporate world also i've it's because I've been in both sides of the game. I mean, on mm-hmm. on the, the the entry point and 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 the the senior levels, and either one of them depends where you stand in that particular lineup. You know, right in you know to your hierarchies versus to your subordinates. You know, is is can be different. Uh, the language has to be different. Uh, your peers can be different because sometimes you you send the wrong tone, <laughs> and it creates like a whole you know, debacle and now we have, you know, animosity going on. So it's, it's very touchy feely. I mean, as you said, this is like, you are stating things, people can get offended. You're writing things, people can get offended just as equally. And you're right now, there's a lot more sensitivity to the tone. Uh, I mean, the capitalism for me, you know, they don't matter. Uh, To be honest with you, I don't really care. I'm just more of the cool guy about it. But, but you're right, like you, you start your capitals and then you have the stuff and basically that's the beginning of, but that's like the old school, what I've learned, right? But like you said, sometimes it could be perceived as like, you know, what's up with that? You know, what do you mean? And sometimes it's just literally, you just forget and you, you type and, and it happens. Uh, you know, it, it's, those are the things like we have to be very sensitive because again, it affects everybody. It affects relationships. It affects the perception. I mean, if you talk to, let's say this happened to me in one email, I just wrote some stuff. To someone who was on my uh, as as a, a down downline, right, uh-huh. and they did not perceive it correctly. They thought I was like condescending to them, and I wasn't. Uh, right. But it was just the way I wrote the language. I mean, I I was firm, but it wasn't condescending, right? So, but then then we basically had to hash it out, and we 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 realized that it was just a misperception. But that misperception could have caused a lot of problems, right? And sometimes you feel it as well. Someone writes something to you, and you be like, "What the hell? What do you mean?" Yes. You know, yes. and and in the corporate world, that's big stuff. I mean, because people Indeed. really, you know, uh, you're you're getting on my turf. You're trying to, you know, show off. You know, you're trying to get me in trouble, throw me on the bus. You get all kind of ex- expressions being, you know, put on the table. And those are the things that we need to be more aware of. Now, ultimately, as you get more, you know, experience in in this world of of writing and communicating through, you know, emails and and memos and things like even policies when you write policies that's that's another one uh, but but really people have as you said i love what you 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 focus on it's not so much about what i want and how i write it it's really what you're going to get from me and if i say the wrong thing and and by the way sometimes this true happens to me happens to almost everybody you think one thing and sometimes you write it but it doesn't really convey exactly what you had in mind yeah. <laughs> yeah. so then so you have to review and so there is a protocol about this but 
So, Aaron, let's talk about that. What are the protocols? Because I, I love what you said. You you go to these meetings, I mean, from the feds to the state to the, the corporate world, varies a lot. And you're the one who facilitate these things. How does that experience work for you? Well, it's really interesting, actually, because, yeah, I get to go in and hear the problems people are having. And, you know, most of us grew up, grow up a little bit afraid of writing, or at least we find it nervous making, right? Someone's going to judge us. That's what we were taught in school, that writing is in order to try to prove yourself <laughs> and get judged, right? And so now we've all grown up with this myth that writing is just to show what we know. And then you end up, we end up writing each other emails that go on and on and on where I'm showing you everything I know, but that's not what we want. So when I go in, it's kind of like what you said, Hurricane, where you're saying as you write to different people, the language has to be different. We can't write the same way to different people as to others. And we all already know this instinctually because when you're texting, you know you change your language when you text a parent or a family member or a boss or a friend, right? And so it's natural for us to adapt to what other people need. And we do it out loud too. I think though, that when we get into writing a document or an email or something that feels very serious and professional, we get a little stressed because of that training from school. Like, ooh, somebody's going to ding me here. Somebody's going to say I'm not smart because of the way I did this. And so the answer is really, and what we talk about in our classes is focusing more, like you said, on the reader. And we grow up with self-focus in our writing. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to look dumb. But in reality, if you are not journaling or note-taking, you are not writing for you. There is very little occasion that we ever write something for our own selves. And so it's funny just that we don't happen to know, oops, I should focus on the other person because I already know all this stuff. I don't really need to focus on me as I'm writing. I already have the content in my head. That's why I'm writing it, right? So whole paradigm shift, outlook shift, where we've been like, oh, no, don't mess up, Aaron. You're going to get in trouble. Now it's like, no, we need to focus outward. Who's going to read this? What are they going to need that day? How much time are they going to have? Are they going to be in a bad mood? Are they going to be on the run? And I better use bullets so they can see my message from afar, right? Kind of imagine the real of what is up with my reader right now and make our decisions based on what helps them, which is super empowering, actually, because I don't know about you, but I used to feel like writing was just sort of like luck. I hope it's good. I don't know. I don't know what order to put my th thoughts in. I don't know. I'm just hoping it's good. But when we focus our attention on the recipient who's going to grab that thing and try to use it, now I know how to make decisions. Now I know what to put first, whatever's most relevant for them. Now I know what tone to use, whatever tone fits the relationship I have with that person, right? And so it's actually empowering to stop and say, you know what, it doesn't really matter how anybody did in school. If you're in a situation at work and you need to write to someone, you are the one with the knowledge. Stop and think about that person and what would work best for them, just like you would do if you walked into a meeting with them. Well, Aaron, thank you. I mean, I, I love what you said about the, the concept of like, you know, almost dumbing it down for, 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 for a level where it's a lot easier. It's just the bullet points and to, right to the point. I think sometimes we overdo things. I think a lot of us make that mistake. I think I've been there, uh, you know, guilty as charged at a point. 
but you learn over time that that may not be the best way to do this. Actually, I had a, what you mentioned is, is so true because I had a, um, two leaders that I reported to at a point in my life. And one was very meticulous, you know, about like, you know, how you write it and how you place it and all stuff. And the other one was like, I don't need too many things. Just give me what the bullets, point one, two, three, four, what you want and what we're going to discuss. That's it. I mean, the emails were that short. I mean, there's like basically here's the point, what we discuss, boom, boom, boom. And that's it. Is it urgent? Is it not urgent? <laughs> you know, literally it, you determine what that, that level of priority on the discussion based on what you wrote on those emails. And it made the whole difference on the contrary, on the, the, the different, you know, leader, same role. You know, I had to, we had to really express ourselves differently because we needed to clear and show that we understand and what we need and almost uh, expand on the thought, you know, as opposed to just basically here's the, the topics, boom, boom, boom. And then we'll have the discussion later. So it changes from one person to the other and understanding being in the middle of this, or at least being uh, a recipient of that as, yeah. as the one who is going to make that decision. You can get in trouble because obviously if you that's your boss, you don't yeah. want to mess up with your boss in a way, right? And so you have all these these things and, and it gets intimidating sometimes. And you're right, in some circles, you're worried about how you're being perceived. Right. You know, now, I'm not, so I'm telling you, I mean, English is my fourth language, literally. <laughs> you know, so 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 I, I didn't grow up writing English and now it was all French originally. And and well, Arabic and French, but French was actually my major, like you know, my my main, you know, administrative or like school language. Yeah. And so I learned English as a second language. I went to special school stuff, even as a kid. But I mean, I grew up. But so ultimately, my writing skills would have always, you know, been less. I would say, and that's not true. But over time, you know, you learn that that's not the case, and you learn to be better. Right. I mean, right. I I write all my stuff now. But but back in the days, you had I had almost like intimidation. Like when I write something, I'm always wondering like, how is it going to be perceived? Is, is it going to be like, because, well, because I, my English is not the best, you know, you know, tool I have. So it was that kind of like, my God, you know, like you're always yeah. thinking three times and it does have a, you know, a nice effect on you because your self-esteem gets a little bit, you know, twisted and all, all it takes is one person making a, a comment who that actually right. really hurts. You know, it, it hits it hits a button, right? <laughs> you know, so again, I, I'm giving you my experience and folks, you know, that are listening and watching right now, if you, your English, let's say, or by the way, any language for that matter, doesn't have, we're talking about English as a primary, but it could be the other way around in a different country or whatever. And your main language is is different. You have the same situation. This applies everywhere, folks. So that that's actually been my experience. It's very mm -hmm. difficult. Uh, yeah. And then, then depends also who you communicate, as you said. You know, you send sending something to your compliance officer, <laughs> you know, right. it's one thing because now CMS or like whoever regulatory, you know, department is going to be looking at it. You know, it become, it's very difficult how you do it, how to choose your words, how to choose your, your style. Now, now you said you're going to these, these, these meetings. Um, can you give us a little bit of a, a picture of like who can be in these meetings? Just, just to yeah. share with our audience, because that's going to vary, right? By, by, I guess, client. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And that keeps it exciting, you know? So sometimes it'll be a specific team. Like I recently had a, an entire team in a bank that was all IT. And it was because the CTO was kind of like, I care about communication. They had been worried that the IT engineers had been using language that was too high for everyone else. And it's not, you know, too high in their specific area. Right. And it's kind of like, Maybe some of these ideas are going to end up going to the board. They're all educated people, but they don't need to spend time fighting through technical terms, right? 
So people will see a problem and then say, ooh, we want to get these folks writing for our readers. Let's hire her to come in. Other times it'll be a group of leaders. Like very often it'll be a leadership development program or an emerging leaders where you know, a group of people are kind of like the next set of managers. So they get to go to a year of education and I do the writing sides of that. And then sometimes it's just an all hands where a company or um, even like a county or utilities or something will say, we know you all want to be able to email more effectively. So we're going to offer this class with Aaron X number of times a year. And then I just get, that's super fun because you get the whole hierarchy mixed together which is great because then they all get to hear from each other's struggles in class. And so we, you know, I have strategies prepared and we practice and we do revisions and we talk, you know, I just kind of want to come back to something you said a minute ago, Hurricane, about your former two bosses. We talk about that very thing in class where your story showed that people have a communication preference. You've got the boss who loves details and feelings. You've got the boss who is a bottom line person, right? That We talk about that stuff in class where I recently had a leadership development program and a guy came in and had just, he's only been a leader for a few weeks. He was super pumped, loved it, and was ready to share with the class that his boss, so like same thing you're thinking about, his boss had said, hey, you, new boss, can you just give me a quick update in an email about what your team was dealing with this week or whatever? He thought to himself, kind of like you were saying, okay, am I going to say a lot or a little, right? Is this a boss who likes a lot or a boss who likes a little? Well, he misjudged her. (laughs) He came to class and he said, you know, I realized later on that she is a bottom line person. And yet I sent her a six paragraph email with my update. And we all said, oh, my gosh, why do you think you forgot about her communication preferences? And he said, really, you know, I have been there. He said, well, I was excited and I just kept going. I was proud. I was proud of my team. I was pumped about what I was saying. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, I've done that before. We're all send ideas to a work partner, blah, 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 blah. And then they're like, Aaron, that was a lot of ideas, you know. So like you kind of alluded to earlier, People want shorter conversations written now, right? And so, but it's key to really consider who's going to read this and what are their preferences in terms of level of detail, level of formality, level of directness, all these different ways that we might have different preferences than one another, especially depending on industry cultures we've worked in, regional cultures we've lived in, generational cultures we're a part of. These all impact our communication preferences. Well, thank you, Aaron. And again, you're you're touching on all these these points that I think everyone watching listening right now must be in, in somewhere there. <laughs> because it doesn't matter if you're listening and watching, you're working somewhere or you're we learning to, to you know, you're doing some sort of communication writing, whether for fun, I mean it could be just sending in a communication to a company or anything, or it could be just, you know, communicating with friends. It's the same thing. But it does, but by the way, you know what you said about a, a new leader usually has that problem, and and, and yeah. I I do leadership trainings as well, uh, and again guilty as charged. You know when I first started, I mean I've I've been leading teams since 1995, 
And, you know, as a new leader, you get that feeling like you want to like prove your point and you want to do this. And, and, you know, at that time it was just a manager. And I, I do a big difference between what a manager, a boss and a leader, you know, those are mm-hmm. different concepts on their own. But the idea is like when you're new, you want to impress everybody and right. you, you, you enter your point, like I want to show what I can, can do. And then at the same time, I want to also highlight all my team and show the success. But really I just, we did 200% of target, you know, we had, you know, successful month, a quarterly was the best quarter in the last. And, and this actually is a practice that eventually as you go further uh, in the ladder, you will see that, uh, for example, if you get to meet a board, <laughs> the board doesn't want to hear the whole thing. I mean, they want to hear boom, boom, yeah. boom, like give me the, the you know, the, the pitch, right? The quick elevator pitch thing, you know, what are, what's, what's our successes, what we need to do what you need for us, right? And so these things kind of make a difference in, in different ways. Now, and by the way, what we're saying, right, what I'm talking about is for everybody to learn. It doesn't matter what stage you're in your career path or in entrepreneur or otherwise. These are things that you can practice and, yeah. and they're going to benefit yeah. you one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so now there's one thing, uh, Aaron, attention spans. Mm, yes. <laughs> what do you <laughs> say point. to that? <laughs> yeah, well, we have to be realists as writers, And we're all writers, like you said, right? Even texting, putting up a post on Teams, whatever, sending an email. We're all writing as a form of communication now. And yet we're doing it in a situation where people are not so into reading, (laughs) right? So it's kind of a tough situation because attention spans are limited, mainly not, you know, not because we don't want to care or want to try, but just because we have too many things to think about all the time and notifications and content all the time, the clutter, right? Um, so yes, attention spans are shrinking. And what we're finding in my classes, even this week, people were kind of confessing, right? We've all done it when they've sent an email to a lot of people and no one has answered or replied with what they wanted. And we realized, well, it was simply too long. Um, and I'm now doing, when I write a message of any kind, not a document, but anything that's going straight to a person, I take things out before I send it. I don't add things. I take things out when I go review. What do they not need right in this moment? I'm taking it out. Because if we send somebody a message with 10 items in it, they're not going to read 10 items. Might as well send two. And then they'll probably read them. So we also want to use a lot of visual tricks to make our writing scannable, skimmable. Not everyone has time to go through the whole paragraph So that's why it's helpful to use headings and bullets in any kind of document or message, even just an email, even I'll do it in I'm commenting on someone's chat in Zoom. I have three reasons I like this. One, two, three, right? Try to get away from paragraphs and into things that someone can just see. Even we can imagine them reading it on their phone. Oh, yeah, look at that. Looks like I have three things I have to do later because they showed it in bullets. So Anytime you find yourself frustrated, like, how come no one answered? Usually when we look within, we can find, oh, yeah, maybe it's because I kind of said a lot. And try it, try sending it again, saying a fraction of what you said previously and see if you get a better answer. And also spreading out the things you did say with more white space in between, like with headings and bullets. Well, thank you. Well, the reason I said that is because... Uh, like again, depends who your audience is, right? If yeah. someone is really busy and, and has too many things going on, 
and you're like sending, they're not going to go through the whole thing. They just want like, you know, what's the highlight? What's, what's that, that bullet, right? Yeah. Actually, I'm one of those folks. I mean, I, I love the, you I give me, three, you give me three bullets. I can actually talk about all of them, you know, and right. it's funny because I'm looking at your wall, you know, your wall, I think that's the book, right? And mm -hmm. and just, just mm -hmm. looking at it right now, high value writing, right? A real strategy and stuff. That in itself Target. to me tells exactly tells me exactly what we what, what the book is about. And we can talk hours for that, right? But it, it makes a difference, especially as you said, if you give some visual effect to help God, that discussion makes a difference. Right. Right. So so now Aaron, I want to talk about I, I mentioned the the scenario where I had that that email that kind of was mis I guess conceived or perceived, right? But 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 that actually goes to the discussion of authority versus being firm. Uh, especially as new leaders, you know, there's always that that power trip that comes along with that, mm -hmm. that little chip. You know, what do you say to folks that are watching and listening? If they're in that course of their path right now and they're getting to the level where they're going to, like, make some decisions, they can have some some folks that report to them or line to them, and how can they potentially be firm without mm -hmm. actually really showing that I'm the boss kind of concept, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, how, how do we convey that strategically? Yeah, you can convey that kind of information without feeling like you're being aggressive. So I'll kind of talk here about I, sort of the desire in that case or others to say something negative or critical, but in a way that maintains trust, right? We've got to, like you said, there's a relationship behind everything that we write. And sometimes people will say, gosh, I don't want to take all that time working on my message. And I'm kind of like, well, do you want to spend an hour later having an argument with the reader? You know, spend the time on the front end, right? And so what I would do in those cases is you can actually be pretty honest and transparent, even about critical topics, if we're careful with a few specific types of words and phrasings that can put people on the defensive. And one of those is simply the word you. So we can say, I don't like this idea, pretty easily without offending someone if we manage how we use the word you. Um, so for example, I could be like, you know, maybe you sub you turn in a report page to me and you did the appendix. And I'm like, why didn't you put a timeline in your appendix? You know, and you're kind of like, yo, I, I thought about it. I have reasons. Don't accuse me. I tried, right? And I could have just said, um, let's add a timeline to this appendix. I don't need to say you and your, I can make it, I call that product over person, focus the conversation on the product, the outcome, the deliverable, the goal, not the human beings. And we can do that a lot more easily in writing because we have time to tinker with it, right? And so anytime I write something where I'm, you know, disappointed, disagreeing, criticizing, I'll make sure that the literal grammatical focus of my sentences is the topic, not the human. And so, and I used to do this teaching college, so I know that it can help people not feel defensive. I used to be, you know, putting comments on an essay or whatever. If they did a great job on page three of providing evidence, I'm writing you supported your point so well on page three. But if they didn't, I am not saying you failed to support your point on page three. No, I'm just writing, hmm page three needs more evidence. And typically the person comes into office hours with their essay out and says, you mentioned page three needs more evidence. You're right. There's none. Where should I put it? They're ready to work on it. 
you know? So we want to write in a way that's respect forward by not getting personal and focusing on the shared goal. And so this is one of many ways that leaders can actually use writing as a management tool. We can, we can criticize without demotivating when we're intentional about it. I love it and, and keyword attentional because because you're you're right. I mean, I I use a similar approach whereby you know there's by the way to me everybody's effort is a, is is already rec- you know gets credits right. Yes. The fact that they did you know something can't take that away from them. So if they miss something, you know, even though it could be even the core stuff, but you know, what's the big deal? They're gonna go back and fix it. As you said, you don't have to say, well, you didn't do a good job, or you yeah. go crazy and like you start like. You know, I just spent like five hours or 10 hours or two nights, you know, uh, you know, over the weekend to try to get this project. By the way, I've had right. some, some of those leaderships myself where I had to deal with that, you know, personality where you had someone, no matter what, you like, I, I couldn't figure out which way I have to do it. And a project can take mm-hmm. three takes, four takes before, you know, it's acceptable, right? Yet, you know, again, some leader will be like, okay, I love it. That's it. Good. Done. But but the idea is how it's conveyed to you. It can make a very, you know, a person very in, you know, and uh happy and sometimes really demotivated. And sometimes they'll they're willing to quit. And that's again, we in the yeah. world workplace, we are saying people leave managers, not you know, the companies, right? It's and so, so if true. your leader, if your leader is really condescending, and by the way, I'm not talking about intentional condescending here, they're just right. doing it because that's what they think. They're yeah. just like, you know strict you know about things again sensitivity training you know helps <laughs> yeah you know training is just like this of communication you know skills training is that's a big one i mean that's usually on every year's appraisal communication is a key and you have all these these denominators within the communication that you mm-hmm. need to to meet i mean i i put that in, in every year's you know future goals so people can actually see them you know like the things that they need to always be aware of so this way they can you know get evaluated on them but also it gives them time to work on and and so but but you're right like i can say listen i love what you put all this stuff is good and you know i i'd like to see something added you know to this you know can we just add another you know piece on regarding something else basically i mean the the idea i just introduced that there's something missing but i just right right. added without like you know you missed that thing (laughs) why didn't you so it's the same thing again it's, it's how you say not what you say right <laughs> oh, i forgot right. which one goes <laughs> you know um but but yeah so 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 intentional communication intentional let let's share with us eric your your i guess how you feel about the word intentional in everything when it comes to communication Right. Well, I think intentionality is really something that we forget about with writing, even though, again, we are typically intentional when we speak, even when we're, you know, in a heated moment, even if someone is having a disagreement with a significant other, they try, we try to stop and think, okay, how could I phrase this to make this conversation productive, right? So again, it's like what you were just saying about why, you know, beat the person up for not finishing, just say, let's finish this instead of why didn't you finish it? Goal oriented. We want to be goal oriented with our writing, the goal being something productive, right? Not to satisfy our ego or our irritation, but to do something productive. And so one of the most powerful tools is just to realize that as we were brought up to write, to get judged, we often developed that self-focus in our writing, but we can actually write with intentional other focus. And in management, it's just huge. 
I was working with a young woman who was in her second career job in her 20s. And, you know, we're all hearing about different generations and how we're having trouble retaining talent, right? People get people, today's younger generations, they don't want to be treated badly at work. They're going to leave and they should. They're going to demand to be respected, right? So I'm working with one of these young women. She told me that in her first career job, she immediately got a bad feeling. Because she started and once a month, there would be an all hands email from leadership. And for whatever reason, the way it was written, she felt unincluded, uncared for, dismissed. That It was very much self-focused on the leadership. And so the people reading it were secretly thinking, she was secretly thinking, I'm going to get out of here when I get a chance. I'm starting to realize I don't matter here, or that's how I feel anyway. Might not even be true, Right. But she was already getting in her mind, I'm going to get out of here. Well, fast forward, she did, started working at a startup, actually. And her boss wrote these incredibly um, inclusive, respectful, engaging emails to the team that were very much about them, other focused. This is a woman in her 20s. She admitted to me that the first day she received one of those, she called her mom and said, Mom, I finally found the right job. I'm so glad I left my first job. And I mean, and it's the first job was a company that I won't say the name, but they're notorious for having a reputation of not caring. And imagine, right? The amount I, think I know of what that job is. <laughs> I'm not even going there. I we'll mean, they've the made, show. yeah. Let's just say they've made uh, media about it, right? Like movies or whatever. Um, but yeah, imagine the amount of money that company spends on wastes on retention issues, right? And hiring and rehiring. Oh my gosh, people forget that you can try to put in money into hiring practices and into parties and shaping an amazing culture. You turn around and write a dismissive email, it's all for nothing. Aaron, thank you for for bringing that point because, you know, we we kind of talked about more about like the communication to convey work stuff, but we you you just turned this into like based on the intentional piece the idea of inclusion and making feel people you know making people feel good about you know the environment and where they are because that's very easily perceived if you are working in an environment where it's always never about everybody it's always about the few or or the top you know uh i guess uh echelon of the company yeah it it, it people are always going to read through that quickly and you know that this is not they don't, they don't they care they care about profits not about people and on the contrary you want your company to be successful if you take care of your people the rest is history they'll do anything for you and actually that's true leadership you know and, and that's the thing like there's a lot of people in leadership positions unfortunately they're not true leaders and i i'm saying it loud and publicly because mm-hmm. i've seen them they just they happen to be in those positions for whatever reason right. i mean they might have some i mean they have the education they have some experience to it but it's that communication is the ability to make your people follow and 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 really respect you and 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 do things because they feel that you are not it's not about you it's about them um, right you know like I, I tell you i mean i i don't talk when we are in the business it's always about we you know yes. we we yes. are we need to do this we need to do that it's not about i need to do this or i need you to do this we got to do this together we got to make it happen and you know we, this is what the picture is going to look like. You're going to give them the perception that, not a perception, the reality of things, really, like the vision. Here's where we are. Here's where we're going to be. But you're right. You get an email that is completely like, you know, we're just chaplain. We're just the labor. And, you know, when you start thinking that way, and by the way, 
I've been in those shoes too, where I see in some corporations that have that kind of attitude. And you know what? I, you know, it's, it's not a place that you want to stay in because that environment right. is not going to be thriving for you. You're not going to make it happen. And you want to get, I love what you said. First thing she gets this email, she's excited. Oh my God, this yeah. is the place because now you look forward to going, you know, to the workplace where I call it TGIM, uh, TGIMs. <laughs> you know, if yeah, you have yeah, a TGIM, right. you're good, right? You know, right. not you look for the TGIF. You want to have a TGIM someday. Yeah, well, I can't wait until tomorrow because I'm going to be, you know, at the office. I'm going to have fun. And right. by the way, this is for the corporate. But even if you are an entrepreneur, you want to do the same thing because you want your teams and yes. whoever is working with you to to really feel great so they can help you build your business to the next level. So, mm-hmm. so thank you, Aaron, for really breaking that down, you know, because I think that's that's a big piece that that's easily um fixed in a way right i mean you don't yes, have to, exactly. to be, you know and and if not we have you <laughs> we just have to bring you in there <laughs> yeah well and it's kind of like hey you're writing anyway it's a free opportunity you don't need you are already going to spend time on it and it doesn't really cost money other than your wage your salary you know that you're already making in the background why not use the moment with intention right and that's um what i try to help people with, with my courses and YouTube videos of you can do this in a purposeful manner that you feel confident about, and that has reasons and purpose behind your writing choices. And that then you're going to get the business impact and the relationship impact. Thank you. Now, now, um, people have problems. Life happens. We all have them, (laughs) you know, and in in the environment of, of business, it's very common that people around you are going to have personal stuff, yes. you know, uh, health, personal issues, whatever. There's there's always something going on in everybody's life, right? Now, if you want to communicate with folks that might have these things happening, what would you recommend, Erin, to people uh, if they want to convey empathy and they want to be like, you know, sensitive, you know, and, mm-hmm. and still kind of, you know, and, and supportive? What would you tell people? How, how can they possibly do it strategically? Yeah, well, this is going to sound like too small to matter and also too grammary, but it's only one thing and it has a massive impact. I think we don't realize that the verbs, the words that show what we're doing, our actions, those carry tone and sometimes accidentally judgment. So when you talk about people on your team or to or about people who are struggling, check the verbs you use to represent them. For example, um, if I know one of my direct reports is struggling and, you know, Belinda, right? I'm like, oh, Belinda has this new project. And if I talk about her, Belinda has a project now. Belinda is now doing this project. Belinda is now going to be part of this process. It sounds kind of plain. But what if I say Belinda will now oversee the process? Belinda will now direct the process, supervise, manage, use verbs that give power to other people. We can actually empower people. And this is a huge role as a team lead because you're going to have somebody shy or feeling unincluded or feeling worried about speaking up. Or maybe they've really actually been included, unincluded, right? And the way you talk about them through the verbs can do a lot. Um, and so even, you know, little things in a meeting where maybe, you know, maybe um, Rebecca spoke up and doesn't normally, right? And you're like, oh, I want to make sure Rebecca feels good about speaking up, you know, instead of just saying, oh, yeah, remember how Rebecca said this thing earlier? 
say say something like, hey, remember when Rebecca taught us, blah, blah. Remember when Rebecca explained or shared her expertise? So we can, it's in the actions that we can talk about e- each other in a way that empowers. And then sometimes you'll hear groups who've been typically not as empowered by society, whether it's lower ranked people, women, people from certain backgrounds who feel like they haven't been put forward in a particular industry. What we all do is we get together and describe each other with strong verbs to show each other's um, experience. And we also name drop each other so people don't forget what good stuff we did. So if you're in a meeting and you know, you know, you're the one that's or let's go back to Rebecca. No one's going to remember that she spoke up later on. Then it's my job to say, remember earlier when Rebecca shared that one insight So a couple ways that we're going to bring people in actively on purpose by using their name, using strong verbs, making sure that they're actively included. And these are all things managers can easily do, written or spoken, because you're speaking and writing anyway. We don't need to say, like, I would like to hear from each of you. That's very us and them. We can say, let's all share our thoughts right? And create more of a togetherness feeling that that equalizes and reduces the hierarchy and therefore increases trust and intimacy, you know, and belonging on a team. Well, you know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, first of all, I love what you said about it. it's a simple thing, really, that you just yeah. covered. And actually, you know, less is simple, as they say, or less is, is better, you know, as an expression and, you know, avoids anything that gets lost in translation. But what you said here is like, at the end of the day, there's no business that is working because of one person, it's always everybody. Mm-hmm. It's the team. It's always the team. And you're right; they, everybody is different on the team, but one complements the other, and that's what makes a team a team. But you're right; if you always highlight, you know, every time there's an opportunity to highlight someone, highlight them. You, you're not going to lose anything, folks. As a matter of right. fact, it's only a gain. There's no loss in there. That's the positive way to look at it. Now, obviously, now if someone if disruptive and they're completely negative there's a way to communicate with that right so right. so i'm not going to give you my my piece of it but Aaron, what would you say to someone if there is someone in the group that has that because that someone right now listening watching is like well there's always that one that that comes yeah. out like you know oh my god you know we don't want to hear from that person you know what would you say to 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 our audiences right now if someone is in the environment in a team like that yeah well first of all we're going to have the conversation one-on-one right not with other people around um, yep. And I have experience about with this, not only from managing in a college, but before that, when I was very young woman and started teaching, it was at a high school, which was not a successful one. And I wanted to teach there to try to provide assistance, you know, for people. Um, and so I had to learn right away, how am I going to be able to tell someone, please don't do that <laughs> in a way that's going to let the class continue, right? And that's what managers have to do at work. And typically my advice is to make sure your language is all about things that are obs- observational and observed with evidence versus claims and opinions. And so we don't have to say, you know, you sound self-centered when you do this. <laughs> that would be an opinion, But we can describe an observation like I noticed that in the meeting after you said these two things, these three other people never spoke again. And I'm observing this is the impact I'm seeing, which is different than I have an opinion about what you're doing. And let me tell you which because we can then walk into assumptions 
And people will think, well, that's not why I said it. I said it because last week you told me to speak up more, right? We don't know. So we have to approach it giving the benefit of the doubt at first, but using observational language can help, again, keep the individuals and the personal heat out of it, but still be able to say, this was not effective when you did this. Thank you. Well, Aaron, one thing on, on emails, right, especially when you communicate in writing, you know, uh, what would you say to people uh, to avoid? I mean, I personally, you know, try to always avoid, like, putting names, putting stuff. Also, look who you're sending the emails to, because sometimes, you know, you reply to all <laughs> It's disastrous. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, it is. Yeah. So, 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 what? How? How do you? Uh, what? What is your advice to to when someone is really trying to, I guess, to put an email together for whatever communication yeah. is? How do they kind of prepare themselves not to fall into these mistakes? Well, two things I'll share. One is it's so silly, but read what you wrote aloud in your mind or really aloud in a snarky voice in an upset, sarcastic, snotty, snarky voice. Because you don't know, I might have said something innocent, like, hey, I hope you liked the session. If you still need more info, shoot me an email. Well, what if my reader just walked out of a meeting where they had a huge argument, they're in the funky mood, and they read it, you know, whatever I said in the beginning, thanks for coming to our session. If you still need information, and then they're like, what are you calling me an idiot? You know, because they're in that mood. I never meant that. Right. And so we don't know our reader's mood. And so it helps to read with that in mind. But other than mood, I would also say before you send your email, go in there and judge each thing you've said through this concept. Does my reader need that point now, later or never? And start stripping out the things that you are saying later or never, and you will find them. I try to be concise all the time. And just two weeks ago, I wrote this whole thing to my client. And then I did now, later, never analysis on it. I literally took out like two thirds of the email. And some of it I never, ever did tell her because it was just stuff that I thought was important. And I realized it was not important for her. And so we need to orient our message to the person and we need to make it not super long and using that now, later, never analysis will help you with both. I can relate to that. I mean, that, that that happens all the time. I mean, when you write something, first of all, there's always that, like, what we think, what we say in our mind, and what we put in the paper. Sometimes you're like, I, that's not what I said. I mean, you, you, or sometimes you're missing things you're saying because your mind is is put in like it's real, but you didn't, you you miss a couple of words that actually make the whole concept correct, and yeah. you missed it because you skipped them. But in your mind, I, I thought I put that in there, but you didn't. It happens. Right. So again, I, it happens to me. I don't know. Me you know but if you, yeah. but if you, if you're watching or listening, folks, it might happen to you. But you got to be aware. But I love what you said. L read it out loud, you know, and read it to a point. Like to your point, it's the same concept, same words can be perceived yeah. based on the tone. Right. Know, did I tell you to do that, or did I tell you to do that? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it, it could be the same thing. We can use whatever phrase you want. If you use it at a different tone, it will be perceived differently. Because to your point, it's not me. That person it's receiving. Them. Yeah. They, they're just having a bad day. And and you're right. right. We all have those, right? <laughs> you know, and when you have one of those, everything seems to be negative. And the first thing that's yes. going to irritate you, that's that's the person that's going to get the hit, which basically right. I didn't mean to offend you, but now you're in trouble because you did it. This <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so, so Aaron, um, you said I, I do everything concisely. You just, you just say that, you know, so, so 
what what is the the advice to give audiences if they want to write you know how easy can they what what are some of the tips to really pri- write precisely and concisely yeah 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 and that is funny that i said that because i've had to work at it because i've always been a wordy writer um but as i've taught in the business setting learning more and more this stuff has to be tight and brief right So I've developed strategies that I share with students. And one of the best things you can do, which I also do, is when you have a wordy sentence, you don't have to go in and edit, like cross out tiny words and take a long time. You can actually just change the order of the ideas in your sentence, because any sentence will become more concise if you put who did the thing in the beginning. And then what did they do? So I always say front load, Front load meaning we want to put important stuff in the beginning because not everyone reads the whole thing. But to be concise in a sentence, just front load who and what. Put them in the front. I could literally take like, it has been reported by the state of California that highways had all these accidents this year. Kind of like, I don't even want to listen to myself say it. If I put who did something in the front and what did they do? state of California reported highway accidents. We're done with the whole concept. So anytime, again, I was wordy too. Most people, probably 80% of people are wordier than they want. Um, all you have to do is start changing your sentence order, put who who did it and what did they do in the beginning and watch the fluff words fall away. It's super easy. I have videos on it with examples. You can just do a couple empowering strategies that take like five minutes to learn and make all your sentences more concise just by leading with who and what. Thank you. One thing you you mentioned, Aaron, that's important is the concept of like, like when you were writing to your client and you kind of figured out like, well, there's just a whole two thirds, one third is is gone, right? After you reviewed it. Well, you know, what I wanted to ask is this. People sometimes write with feelings. And so they're like expressing their own feelings yeah, as opposed right. to like, you know, I'm sending you a message, but I'm like also sharing that my whole view and things about it. Does that even matter? I mean, really, it's if I'm sending you, I want this one, two, three things, or I want to share with you one, two, three things. You're not, you don't care about my feelings or what I think. You just care about <laughs> give me the bottom right. line or the, the items in there. Now, if, if you request that for me, maybe you'll tell me, give me some examples. I'll throw those in. But sometimes we do it by, by, we're overdoing as as you gave that example of that first person that was in leadership. I just wanted right. to impress and do more. But sometimes you don't want to do that, right? So so how do you tackle that for you know how can people really easily manage that? Well, yeah, because typically almost any of us probably should say yes than we're planning to in most emails, right? Because of the whole thing where people aren't reading very much right now. Um and so I think whether it's feelings or other things, we have to really gauge, is this for them or for me? And so back to going through, because when you were talking about, and I've done it too, where it's like, you want to explain, I really like this. I care about this. I'm so pumped. But is that now, later or never information? Probably it's never information. And it's not because your reader doesn't care about you. It's just that the reader is walking into this message, looking for something else potentially than what's on our mind. And so we want to always order things to what's relevant for them. Like if I write a paper on extreme weather for people around here in Northern California, wildfires are going to be at the top of my report. 
But if I revise it and I send it to people in Florida, I'm now going to put hurricanes and floods at the top, right? I'm always going to be thinking, what would be the best thing for my reader? And then after that, I'm just going to leave it out. And that's, so there's two ways, two levels of concision to consider. One is the holistic, how much stuff do you say in your message? And then the other is the sentence level. Are you, are we using wordy words or are we just getting right to the message by leading with who and what and keeping the sentences tight also? So we want to do both in a perfect situation. Thank you. By the way, I, you know, when you earlier spoke about the, the IT example where they were too yeah. technical, that's, that's another thing I think that, that worth highlighting quickly is that everybody's got strengths and sometimes you have skills and your writing could be the best. And, you know, to, you could be a doctor or, or some sort of, you know, background where you really have expensive, you know, vocabulary, but yeah. you know, most of the people will not understand it. I mean, you, 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 you have to like bring it down to the level where it's, it's simplified. Right. So, right. so I, I just wanted to highlight that. And the other one is uh, we're in a sensitive world. We, you know, especially in the workplace, there's a lot of rules and policies and laws. Uh, one word can can really be detrimental to to the, you, the, the whoever writing or the company, right? And right. if there's a risk to the company, then you're the first one that's gonna be in in a, in, in a bad place, right? So, yeah. so what are some of the things that that in your expertise and your trainees that you tell your clients to avoid? using in the in any form of writing because here's the thing if you know there's the saying that if it's not if it's not in writing it never happened and once it's written you can't take it away i mean everything is is documented right. now you can't delete files you can't delete emails everything is you got a preservation order everything stays there and all the, the attorneys whatever you know lawsuit and things like that can, can reveal those things so what do you tell people that are watching and listening in in the business world uh to avoid put in in writing i mean period yeah well um accusations and opinions um and anything that's not substantiated so sometimes we end up writing in a way that's really more of a claim like um you know hurricane is super helpful it's a compliment but because i said is it sounds like my opinion and so it's opinionated and you brought that up earlier like how much of my feelings do i include when we're not asked for our feelings, typically we don't in business, right? We want to stay objective. So I would be careful about any kind of subjectivity where you're saying like, this is bad because I don't like X and Y, or I feel really insulted, but let's go forward anyway. You know, these are the kind of things where we can look back later and feel a little embarrassed that that's part of the record. So before I hit send on things, when I'm upset, I try to make sure that nothing in there was personal um, or used words like we talked about, like you and words like should, words that can put people on the defensive. Um, and so just kind of checking it that way before it goes out. Now, I have a question. I mean, well, not a question. It, it's really just a comment and you probably can can give me some feedback on that. You know, for people, I mean, now you get com com company computers for the most part remotely. That's That's been the standard for the last few years. We also have the use of phones and things like that. So, so I would say to people, do not write, you know, to anyone, text or anything in the corporate world, you know, that personal stuff because it is part of the company's yeah. legacy. Uh, and so, whatever you say on a personal note is still going to be there if there's any type of challenges or situational or legal right. things. 
you know, I mean, I just my my take, and because I've seen that happen in the past. Uh, you know, you're obviously you do this for a living, and you can see these things. You know, uh, you, have you seen, by the way, anything of that that actually you know was detrimental? Oh, um, let's see. Yes, definitely. Um, because the problem is when we're reading something, we're always interpreting it. And then since we can save it, we can reinterpret again and again and again. For example, even something as simple as an email that just says, are we on at five? And doesn't say, hi, Aaron, are we on at five or whatever it is? I mean, I personally, it doesn't bother me too much, but people will tell me, why didn't they say my name? Why didn't they say hi? And now they're going to stress about that right? How much time are they going to waste stressing about it? Um, and so I think what happens is people can start to try to read tone into something because it's written. And so that's kind of back to that reading it aloud in a snarky voice idea. Well, again, to, to be honest with you, I mean, if, if you're, if you don't, it's not work, don't put it in writing. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> Keep it no. to yourself. <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. Use your personal phone, you know? Uh, but but again, I mean, you know, it it happens, and you know, we we all kind of make mistakes, you know. And so today's show is just to share with us some proper ways to communicate accurately, concisely, strategically, know your audiences, leave the fluff out, you know, that kind of thing. Review your stuff before you actually send it yeah. out. So 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 that's quite a bit there. Now let's talk about your book. Um, that's that's the book, right? Yeah, this the book. My favorite thing about the book is that that's how small it is. I specifically thought this needs to be concise because it's about writing concisely, which is what we all need right now. I wrote the book because my my um, business students asked for it. They said, how do I practice these concepts? And I thought, well, most books are really long. <laughs> Let me write a short one. And so the book includes a lot of the topics we've covered, how to be concise, how to be thoughtful, how to make writing easier, quicker, and more considerate. Um, and so it's full of examples, before and after scenarios, and then the strategies for how to actually do it yourself as well. I, I mean, again, I love it. This is, this is you're not just talking, you're walking. <laughs> you're literally <laughs> practicing exactly what you preach. I mean, right. the book is direct to the point. It's simple. It gives you all the stuff. It's easy to read as opposed to like, you know, you get lost in, you know, the different yeah. things. It's not repetitive because to get bigger books, you're just going to have to do a lot more, you know, expanding or expensive you know uh, i guess uh essay stuff right you don't right. want that you want it just straight to the point with the right yeah. things and i love that now it's it's really highlighting the strategies and really mm -hmm. the best way to to write it's simple yeah. I, I i i'll personally just by, by, by i haven't read the book but talking about it right now i think it should be in everybody's every leader's you know arsenal and any any manager or anybody with the role of leadership should have the ability to have this. Any HR or or you know like learning development should have that as right. a tool to to assist. You know you know in terms of I actually use books you know in trainings as well. Like you know you give them mm -hmm. some you know books to to go to. Depends on on the department and what they do. But definitely this is definitely a book that I would recommend myself. You know to to my crews. You know uh, as uh, as I have an opportunity to do so uh, for them to learn better. Uh, and and just really just to to do it themselves now now by the way you, you obviously come to training so that's another opportunity so everybody watching mm -hmm. and listening if yeah. you you're having a phase or you're having a challenge with your team you know communicating 
or, you know, whatever level that is. I mean, from a CEO down, you know, uh, we all have teams in a way. And uh, or you are part of the team, too. You can also recommend. Right. That's the other thing. I mean, it's not a, uh, you know, a downhill. It's it's all everybody works equal. Uh, and yes, communication can work. I mean, if I feel sometimes that somebody in the company may not be doing, I can recommend, hey, listen, how about this book? Maybe we can all have a nice little session and right. talk about it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's not passive aggressive to buy this as a present for someone. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, that's what people will do is <laughs> they'll it. say, you know, often, the most often I'll hear from a manager who says, I just bought five copies so that me and my team could read them together. And then they talk, oh, how might we apply this chapter when we're dealing with customers or whatever it is? Yeah. Well, part of, again, you mentioned empowerment, you know, teaching and, and really educating, aligning, you know, this is all part of it. I mean, as as a team, we all can learn from each other. And and like a book like this, we'll put these things on the table and people will come forward, you know, like, hey, listen, I, I felt that way, actually. And now you wouldn't even know right. that it happened unless that discussion was happening. And like, true. oh, my goodness. Poof. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, finally, you realize like, oh, right. it could happen. Yeah, You'll I mean, learn about even yourself by talking with your team about what writing, I mean, the best thing to do really is just to hear from our teams of what works for them and what doesn't. So the book facilitates that conversation. You're right. And so do the YouTube videos where you can watch one and then talk with the team. You know, has this ever happened to you? Have you been hurt by writing? How could we be more concise, more EQ, whatever is the topic? So, Aaron, you want our audiences to go to the YouTube. Primarily, that's where everything is. The YouTube is where everything is. What's cool about it is that you can obviously access it from anywhere at any time and then leave me a question. I I answer comments pretty much every day. It's a pretty interactive. I call it like a global learning community um, because a lot of people are around the world and it's free and that's helpful, right? Depending on where you're coming from. So leave me a comment, leave me a question and I'll get back to you. Um, and for folks working in a corporate setting in the U.S., I have an um, e-course, Strategic Writing for Leaders, that you can take on your own. And it's all me explaining things in videos and revisions and quizzes and you know items we go through together. And then it um, has a certificate at the end for leaders building their continuing ed, building their professional um, development. Well, thank you, Aaron. And, and and now you're in, in the West Coast, and but you yep. do travel as needed if someone wants to yeah. to bring you over and to to do trainings. I mean, and those vary. Like you could be a day, could be a couple of hours. How does that exactly. work in terms of programs? Yeah, the, some some groups will do a couple of hours. Some groups will do more like a speaking gig where I show up and everyone gets a book and I speak. Some groups will do a whole day with only thirty people who are really going to study. Like or or some groups will do like a half day with their leadership team or something like that. So it just I customize it to the client's need. I'm gonna have you on speed dial there. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> you you, just in you case. never you never know when we're gonna need you your, your advice. But but certainly, yeah. I, listen, I I can tell you in the last thirty years I could have used you in a room <laughs> with quite a few people, you know, over time, including myself. Because to be honest with you, like you learn over the years, right? You develop right. certain skills. You don't have all that up front when you start. So this is an excellent, you know, tool for people who are starting. But even if you're an expert in whatever you're doing in the corporate ladder, you should be able to always revisit these things and refresh and make sure that if not you, your teams are part of it and stand in. And it's only going to make them better. The communication will be better. The results will be much better and the performance right. will definitely be there. 
All right, Aaron. Well, listen, uh, any last words of wisdom to conclude our show today? I guess I'll just conclude by saying, you know, folks, there is not one correct way to write. Writing is always circumstantial and situational. So if someone says that's not the right way to do it, it's not really possible for that to be true. It'll be right or wrong for a given situation. So you're better off spending your time analyzing the situation and the true needs than worrying about grammar and, you know, the details. It's, It's the situation is king, right, when it comes to writing versus, oh, I heard this idea in class in seventh grade doesn't matter. What matters right now is the situation. So use your own sort of logic and presence of mind and you can figure it out independently. You go. There you have it, folks. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's as clear as it gets. <laughs> so, uh, well, Erin, well, it was a pleasure having you on Likewise. the show today. Thank you so much. And we'll definitely stay in touch. And so, yeah. folks, there you go. Please do check out the YouTube channel. I will be actually there. <laughs> I will subscribe because I, yeah. I can. I can definitely use those videos, you know, uh, for myself, and definitely share the wealth, you know, uh, to folks that, that are looking. And again, to your point, it's available. It's free. Why not? Right. Why not? I mean, YouTube is such a great place to to I get learn everything there. You can learn how to fix things in your house or whatever. So we can learn to write there. Don't need school necessarily. No experts are in there, right? And, yeah, and, and that's, that's really right. what it is. And of course, the show is available. So there's a lot of nuggets here as well yeah. that you can take. Uh, I will share with you this. Please feel free to put it up there if you want. I don't know if you do your shows on YouTube as well, but you know, uh, it's I'll yours too. Yeah. 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 So, so I'll send you a, a, a copy of it. So it'll be yours to, to dissect as you wish. Uh, yeah. So that's about it, folks. So we'll be talking soon. New day, new show, new topic, new guest. Bye for now. Thank you.